Dave Max Cork History Matters brought to you by Red FM. John Creedon, I've been looking to get you out here for a chat for quite some time. We have you finally, but we have you slightly under the weather. Uh, feeling fine, but as... Looking cr- fine. As croaky. More importantly. I, I wish, I wish, I wish. Uh, you can't see the haircut on the radio, no? Good, good. Um, no, no, doing fine. Um, got a bit of a croak, but I think uh, everybody uh, And the lesson on the hair is before you use the bazaar, check the setting on the yoke. No, check you've got the yoke on it. Honestly. Um, Maraid went straight for skinhead and then realised, oh no, I forgot to put the number two, three, four, or five. Luckily, you're uh, largely a radio man, although actually there's a fair bit of TV and that's what we're about to, well, we'll, we'll get to. But I want to talk about, your, you're an author now, John. Uh, author, God, yeah. Oh, author. So was Arthur Daly, wasn't it? Oh, Arthur <laughs> Daly, indeed. The second book, which is flying off the shelves uh, uh, all over Christmas, is A Treasury of Irish Folklore. Let's start with that, and I know we're going to rove wildly and widely. Uh, you never know what would happen. Exactly. Yeah. But um, I'm familiar with, so... What did it lead on from the first book, or is it completely separate? And what is it that led you to do this? This explain the background to a treasury of Irish folklore. I'm familiar with this, and it's a okay. fascinating thing. Okay, um, it, it led on from the first book, I think, in the publisher's head, because ah. um, which was um, that place we call home. That place we call home. Uh, I'd been asked by Gill on a number of occasions if I'd write something. They felt there was a book in me. They were convinced there was a book in me, and I'm saying, yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, I've written comedy. I've written feature. I've written the occasional newspaper article, but I'm not sure I could do a book. And they um, said, would you not do a love letter to Ireland? Or And I said, yeah, that's a bit grand for someone like me. And they came back and came back. And eventually I said, you know what? I said, um, place names has a particular place for me. I have a huge grow for place names. Got that from my dad, I suppose. Inchigila, um, all the beautiful place names around there. Tierna Spidoiga, the land of the robins, Caimini, the leap or the, the path. And had here. you always that? And only, only from sitting in the passenger seat listening to my yes. dad, oh. and but, uh, but but from childhood, yeah. a, a, an awareness of a story behind a story, yeah. Because I mean, it is amazing. Um, Rory Cobb, one of the TV producers mm. I work with, said to me, he said, "I hadn't the slightest interest in place names mm. until I met you. Yeah. Now I'm driving round town, going Umvar <laughs> Avenue, where the Pick Duchar Park. What the hell's that about? Yeah. So there is a story behind. They're all labels. But it's actually drawn me back into the language place names. Yeah, uh, just that uh, that that do you know." I actually did translations Brian Friel's play as Leaving Cert and that planted some sort of a seed that's come to fruition over the years of, of that sense of um, the story behind the story the Idjirgaw scale to between two stories as as, as we are as as Irish people on this island and that sense of the English name means nothing yeah. uh, really it's just an approximation often more often than not it's an approximation of of a, of a Gaelic name that that has a meaning it has a, a place in the landscape or in, in, in something that's more real than the than the English version well, well, and it made me it drew me in if you you're getting me going already yeah, I can, I can yeah. think of two crackers mm. um, long before I did this did the book or got into the academic side of it um, I always had that grow for place names and travelling around in the car with my partner Maraid we'd always have the old fuck lore the little Irish dictionary inside mm. in the glove box mm. and one day we were diverted the Cork Middleton Road uh, there was very heavy flooding road was impassable in parts we were asked to divert around Mogili and Maraid said to me Mogili I said yeah that's sounds like something from the Jungle Book uh, she said what does it mean and I said God I don't know I said the Ma 
usually when you see a maw means a, a maw M-A-I-G-H as a, a plane mallow yeah yeah and more often than not a floodplain because mm. it's such a wet country that when you've got flat land mm. usually there's a stream trickling through it that perhaps in this case becomes, it's not it's a saint is it no 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 no, no. Oh, in this is, case it, it is it is plain same as mayo mm. Mayo. Mm. Um, the plain the, of the U tree my kind of guy mm. and um, so I thought and yokel Yokel, there's another one, yeah, yeah. yew trees again, mm, yeah. yeah. But anyway, I thought to myself, um, Maw Geely, so the Maw bit is probably um, a plane or a floodplain. Uh, Gila, God, I don't know, look up G-I for the L-E, because it's mm, given mm, in the English mm, on the signpost, mm, G-E-E-L-Y or mm. something. I said, look up G-I for the L-E in the, uh, in the folklore there and mm. see if you can see, no, nothing coming up. Uh, Gila, uh, genitive maybe. Um, it wouldn't be Dila, look up D-I oh, for the L-E, because yeah. that would take a mm. shavu after mm. the Maw mm. first, so mm. Maw Gila. Uh, she looked up the eye for the early. What did it say? A flood. So the place, plain of the flood. The place, the place that we were bypassing was called the floody flood plain. Mm. The point being, the floody, the floody flood plain. <laughs> and so, in other words, like if you buy a site. Check the name of the yeah, town yeah, land yeah, first yeah. because if yeah. you translate yeah, yeah. it, it, could, might, it, could it might translate as do not build here. A piece of information. So Magee was one classic and then there was another one I came across in my, I love the Vikings. I yeah, loved yeah. I loved the little light footprint they put on the place names yeah. map because they Scaries. didn't. Scaries. There's loads of them. Yeah. And Darky. Yeah, see, and they're all seaside ones. Have you yeah. noticed? And uh, and, and Tusker or or Fastnet. Yeah. yeah, and Tusker as well. Tuscar rock means jagged tooth, mm. which is a brilliant description. Mm. But also think Tusk, mm. think Viking, mm. think Arctic Ocean. You know, mm. so and walruses and all the rest of it. But anyway, we're fa- probably fast forwarding here. But I remember. Um, Sorry, with, there was one other one. You did. Yeah, it's a Viking one. Oh, yeah. Well, what it was was you know where you see E Y at the end. Oh yeah, uh, like yeah. Uh, on an yeah. island mm. like Lambay, Dorsey. Mm. Uh, Dorsey Island is Bull Island. Lam- Bay is literally Lamb Island. Um, all those islands are on Scotland and Ireland. The Vikings didn't bother trying to colonise us, really. They mm. raided and they traded mm. and they intermarried mm. eventually and some of them settled even. Mm. But they weren't here to, as a, a, a conquesting force. They weren't mm. trying to change us. They didn't want to force us to speak Old Norse. Mm. They didn't give a damn. If they, they'd ask you straight up, what's the name of your town, kid? Mm. It's, uh, it's called Cork. It's mm. called Cork, lads, Robert. Mm. That mm. simple. Mm. But where they didn't have a name, they had to create their own names mm. and that's why so many of our coastal features have Viking names because there was no one to ask. Yes. So Tuscar Rock is mm. one, Fastnet, Dorsey Island, mm. um, Ireland's Eye, even the EY there means island again. So mm. literally Ireland's Eye means the island of Ireland. So mm. lads, if you're heading off on a raiding party, mm. down the Irish Sea, when you hit this big lump of rock mm. that we call Ireland's mm. Eye, the boys will recognise it. Mm. Sharp right there, up the Liffey, <laughs> Rob all round And away you. you go. Yeah, give the dubs a good hiding for us mm. and, uh, and away you go mm. and so but when they settled and it's amazing because I did this as a separate journey and they all kind of mesh now years ago we traced the source of the poddle mm. on a TV show many years ago and we mm. travelled up the Liffey up the brackish waters mm. literally in the wake of the Vikings mm. where the longships would have gone until we came roughly to where the four courts are today mm. straight across the road on the uh, on the key wall there's a huge sluice gate like a big huge rusting mm gate mm. and that is where the river Poddle mm. now was sent underground emerges from mm. Temple Bar mm. into the river Liffey mm. so the Vikings having been at sea for weeks would have come up they could have smelt the sweet water I'd say mm. so that's why they pitched tent there on mm. what became Wood Quay what became Dublin eventually well the Black Pool the Dove Lynn yeah. which was and it's marked out in the gardens behind the Dublin Castle there like if you actually go in the, the, they, they mark out the shape of what the Black Pool would have yeah. been which was which I was the poddle, was it so yeah, in, the, in the back of Dublin Castle brilliant so they settled there an obvious thing to do they had some um, you know woodcock they would have had uh, eels fish fresh water hugely important a bit of raiding and trading mm. and as they settled there 
they set up another trading post further upstream in a place that they called Lakshalup, meaning Salmon Leap. That's Old Norse for Salmon Leap. Lakshalup eventually, as you were talking about bad translations, became Leakslip. And the Irish for Leakslip, if you remember from school, is Lame of Radoin. You'll even see it on the signs there. Salmon Jump. Yeah, yeah, Salmon Leap. So here's the interesting thing. The original name given by the Vikings, because they set up the shop there, uh, was Lakshalup. Mm. Um, that has given us the English leak slip. Leak mm. slip means nothing. Yes. But at least the Irish name, mm. Lame of Rodoin, mm. which doesn't sound like Lakshalup, mm. means the same thing. Mm. Salmon leap, leap mm. of the salmon. So, um, yeah, the, I find the, the, the place names fascinating. Mm. And um, so that's where it kind of started for me. But I always had an interest in folklore. And I guess we are living the folklore. Well, hang on now. Let me yeah. pause you there because we, we, we had a thread and it was... Um, that was always in you. The the, que- the ask from Gill was it before or after the TV shows? Um, the um, or concurrent? No, 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 no. That, that was going on for years. In fact, they were talking about fiction. Because mm. um, sorry for anyone that doesn't know, Credence Atlas of Ireland. What, no, but that wasn't. No, that was you just doing journeys around. What was the the, the place names one? Is that? Uh, did no, that come, that's the did that come that's after Credence the, Atlas of Ireland. Yeah. Was that is yeah, the place yeah, names yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I specifically said I wanted to do because you did. Uh, you have done travel journey ones of just. Kind I have, of like and I've done the Wild Atlantic the, Way and I've yes. done. Yes. A yes. whole bunch of them, yes. right? Uh, but the um, but the thing about um, the writing was it goes way back. It goes way back. Um, Deirdre Nolan, no longer with Gil, but a, an absolute sweetheart of a woman, mm. uh, contacted me out of the blue and said, "I feel there's a book in you." I listened to your pro- your radio show and mm. I think there's mm. a book in you. Mm. And I said, "I talk for Ireland, but I'm not sure about <laughs> books. I don't I don't read a lot, to be honest." And, can I dictate uh, it? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Can I call it out yeah. into a mic? <laughs> and um, no, no. I I mean I I, I love love the process of hammering it together and in mm. fact I know they always say just get it down but I suppose what I'm trying to find out was like did the show did the TV no, show no, come no, before no, the book no no what happened was that the whole thing about me writing a book was going on for years yeah. and, and I and I, I had said to her on a few occasions I said dear I'm not playing hard to get yeah. I just I don't think I'm ready first of all I'm way too busy number two is yeah I think in flashes I can give you a comedy sketch I can give you a one liner I can give you an observation mm. I could probably stretch to doing an 800 or a 1000 feature Mm. on why I love Cork City Football Club so much. <laughs> um, yeah, I could do stuff like that. But I'm not, a book, I wouldn't know how to arch it or to make it run for two, three, four hundred pages. I don't know if I have anything to say that that's long. I know I go on that long, but they're all quick little flashy ideas. And she said, um, well, what would you like to do? And I said, privately, I said, um, there's a story I'd love to tell. And I said, I think it's it's fiction. I see it as a movie. It's based on a true story, something that happened to me. Um, I said, I've made some notes. I even polished one or two or three or four little paragraphs. But I, I said, no, I'm, I'm not sure I'm a fiction writer. Yeah. She said, could I see it? And I said, if you promise you don't laugh. <laughs> if you promise you don't laugh. Because there's, there's li- writing in the family, like. Yeah, there is, of course. Conal, hello, Cook. I mean, Conal is like, is a playwright and yeah, everything yeah, else. Yeah. So I'm a storyteller. Mm. Hands on my mm. hips and mm. telling you about some mad fill I met. Mm. Uh, but anyway, um, um, she said, um, I won't laugh, uh, let me have a peep. So I let her have a peep and there were notes to self and one-liners and th- things that that would never emerge in the story anyway. Yeah. And she came straight back and said, we'd love to publish it, but what are you going to do for us? And I said, I don't know, look, can you give me six months because I'm hearing around the country again. Yeah. And whatever it was, it went on genuinely for maybe two, three, four years. Yeah. And eventually when she came back and said, look, l- you know, from your TV work, she said, you wax lyrical, uh, you seem to get Ireland, you seem to have a grow for the folks and for the people and I said I do I love every blade of grass in the place and every stone Um, but uh, she said well would you do this uh, like a love letter to Ireland 
And I said, I'm not sure. Is that too grandiose? I said, look, I said, if I was to kind of focus and I remember a very clever man, Tommy Healy, in the training department in RT once. Um, he was talking about documentaries and I gave him some idea about, do you know the guy that tried to shoot the Pope and the Pope went to give him and see him and went to forgive him? Well, his family, he said, John, 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 if you can't tell me in one line what the doc is about, you ain't got a doc. So I kind of felt the same way. I said, I could be going on forever about Ireland. Yeah. I could start now yeah. and I could start about... It and needs a prism within which yes. to focus. So I said, I'm particularly uh, fascinated by place names and I feel that while I'm not an academic, I might be able to shine a kind of a personal light and say, mm. look at the beauty in this. Mm. Look how, like uh, any people... There's a lyricism in it, isn't oh, there? You know, there's a poetry and, and there's stories, yeah. I mentioned real Tierna, or I, not. Or I mentioned Tiernus Pedogia to you there. Like that's a town land outside my father's village. Um, but it, it's uh, the land of the robins. Now, think about, the, like to me, that betrays how affectionate or how gentle the people were. Irish is a guttural language, I know. But um, within it, there's such a grow. Like even the way animals are named in Irish, you know, Boeing Day, you know, God's Little Cow is the Irish as, as, for a ladybird. As Manicon McGann has uh, beautifully illustrated in a, in, a, in a book that I, I, I have at home. Absolutely. Uh, and where he takes pleasure in actually the the, the, the inventiveness around the naming of, of, of animals. And, I, I, I mean, I've always loved um, animal names particularly, but um, if you take, like even take wolf and it pops up up in place names mm. like there is a couple of theories about Balivikira that is probably mm. a saint or mm. it's the son. is that your dad's village no that's beyond again that's further west um, but but um, I was talking to a man out there once who maintained and that's that, Balivikira for anyone wondering what yeah that's, is. that's how it was anglicised mm. but um, uh, an elderly man out there once said to me that he believed that the real origin of it was Balivikira the, the town land of the wolf because the Irish term for a wolf is Moktira which translates son literally, of the land no isn't, isn't, that isn't that beautiful? Yeah. An old lad from the land. Yeah. There's, there's an affection in that. Yeah, this guy Some might be tough um, and he might be but, dodgy, but at yeah. least he is, like, he's respected by the name, like, son of the land. Well, well you're right. It's almost kind of going, like, leave, leave him alone. You know, he knows what he's doing. He, yeah. he belongs here more than we do. <laughs> all, 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 but yeah, all, yeah, exactly. All of those names. Um, and my garden, I, I, and I'm living in the city centre and um, tiny garden, but I get, like, just an amazing array of wild birds. But the Irish names I love, like, for example, the goldfinch, the small little fellow with the red fascine, and the, he's got a, a canary-coloured yellow feather under his wing. So when he flies, you get this like flash. And the Irish name for um, for a goldfinch is Lasser Quilla, which means mm. spark or glint or flash mm. of the woods. So like, why would you swap that? Yeah, uh, uh, you know, as a language, you know, like why would you swap that for he goldfinch? Another, be- another beauty, and this only came up recently with, with, with Art O'Leary, who was the mm. president's mm. right-hand man in Oris Nuthron. He's now involved in the Council of State, but not unlike myself, I only know the man from Twitter. But um, he 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 tweeted about the uh, the Kira Bui, which was the name he gave to the goldcrest. Now the goldcrest, as you know, is a tiny little bird like a wren, but it's got a yellow comb that's stands up on its head it's got a the male particularly has got a real golden little flash up on top of its f- roof the roof of its head like a comb mm. like, 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 mm. um, so Kira Bui is yellow comb and I thought oh what a cute name but I sent him the name I would have for a gold crest which is um, 
Drawlin and Aspig. Drawlin is a wren on Aspig of the bishop. The bishop's wren. Yeah, because he's got the fancy yellow hat. <laughs> he's just like a wren, but he's got the little yellow hat. Yeah. So I, I texted back, to, I tweeted back to him and I said, the gold, was it? The gold crest is mightier than the, uh, <laughs> boom, boom, one of my better gags. I should write that down and use it in the next book. Hang but, on now, because we've gone a long way and we haven't even linked to the second book. So the, uh, um, the first book, That Place We Call Home, was about place names uh, about which we may well re- return to. Mm. Um, and the publisher said, John, that went great. Let's do more because we're in the business yeah. of selling books. <laughs> yeah, well, I guess. And, and the truth of the matter so is... So let's do another one because that went great. I finished all the signings now, but I did a couple of kind of storeroom signings around the country and I was very pleasantly surprised. Still am. Um, yeah, maybe I'm a kind of, uh, what's the word for it? Not reluctant author. No, I'm really keen as a little boy. Mm-hmm. All I ever wanted to do was write. Well, should we but, all have we all have imposter syndrome yeah. around everything, don't we? Yeah. Like, is this really me? Did I yeah. really write a book? Like they the un- me to sign it? Like the Unpost Awards, the whole thing, I was like a bunny in the headlights because I'd never even been at the Unpost Awards. And all of what, a sudden, do you know what's beautiful about it though, John, is because of the profile that you have, you're bringing sort of maybe, esoteric's the wrong word, but stuff that might be of um, more particular niche or interest to a big wider audience in a very accessible way yeah. that allows them to, to say oh that's lovely or actually then go further into it if they wish to so yeah. like yeah. like these are lovely things and these are these are our things uh, in, in, in many ways and the, yeah. the treasury of Irish folklore so there was a project set out by school kids yeah yeah, um, yeah, yeah. Um, was, who the department I mean no no th- th- this was something I've always wanted to do and yeah. in fact um, on the television series we dipped in occasionally to this so I should explain first of all what it is yes uh, Dukas are currently digitising this fantastic resource that belongs to all of us. Mm. Um, in 1921, shelling of the four courts in the in the in the Civil, Civil War, War. Uh, the four courts caught fire. The public records office at the back was burned to the mm. ground, and with it went centuries of births, deaths, marriages. We lost a huge amount of the story of us. Mm. So you think about the new nation then. We're still in 1935. We're just the Irish Free State. We still haven't become a republic. We're decoupling from England and bit by bit by bit by bit we're getting our independence and we've a very busy and I think often quite brilliant group of young men and women who set about setting up this country. It's a shame it went so conservative for about 50 years Mm. but these were visionaries and amongst them they set up the Irish Folklore Commission 1935 and immediately they set up this Balyukhan the Skull the school's collection so what they did was they issued 50,000 copy books to 50,000 sixth class students around the country and said go out the lanes talk to the old people talk to your grandma talk to your grandpa go out there and get the the story of us and write it down so they got leprechauns banshees St. Patrick Cúchulán the famine hedge schools and there are some accounts in these that are just second hand accounts but they're of the hedge schools mm. and there's one there there's one lovely one from Clonmel I think it is of a man who said an elderly man who told the child he said my own school teacher he said was in the hedge school and he had one of the great monastic books with him that he kept hidden after the um, you know when, when the after Cromwell he had distribution yeah. to the churches and all of that so the point was that for hundreds of years and I won't kind of pull my punches here right 
really the, 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 whatever about the, the Normans or the Vikings or anybody else but uh, from Cromwell on really they, they really set about dismantling everything that was Irish all our customs our language our loganamnucha our place names um, you couldn't own a horse you couldn't carry a sword there was nothing left to us except words that were usually whispered because we were a beaten people for hundreds of years but so we didn't develop an opera we didn't develop a great ballet we didn't develop a lot of these things but what we got very good at was talk and words and stories and so the stories were passed on from you know one generation to the next like in the opening paragraph there I point out how my old man was in the car beside me one day and out of the blue well not out of the blue was prompted by seeing a family memorial uh, for a man who talked as much as myself he went very quiet and I said are you okay dad he said yeah yeah he said I'm just thinking about the poor people in the famine and I said, um, I said, how do you think they'd feel about us? Would they be pleased with the Celtic Tiger? This is 20 years ago now. Do you think they'd be pleased with the way we turned out with the Celtic Tiger and independence and everything else? And my dad, my dad was not into theories, only stories. So he said, geez, I'd know nothing about that. He said, but um, I knew a man who was in the famine. I said, Dad, no, you didn't. I said, the famine was 150 years ago. Well, I'm telling you now. He said, I knew a man who was in the famine. And I said, go on. No, he was born in 1919, my dad was. Yeah. As he said himself, I skidded to a halt on the line above in that room there, he said. And he said, when I gathered my senses, I had one good look around me and I said, Inchigila. Thank you, God. Thank you. <laughs> anyway, there was Inchigila, a man. I knew that's where you were there from, There was a actually. man with a sense of place. But anyway, he said that this elderly gentleman um, out in Glengariff was on the itinerary of my f- my grandfather's Model T truck delivering meal around um, West Cork. And he said, I used to travel when I was a small boy, four, five, six years of age, for the spin with Dennis Lucy, our driver, delivering meal out around West Cork. And he said there was an elderly man called O'Sullivan in Glengariff who lived well into his 90s and who told us not once, but several times, that during the famine he was a little boy and there was a crib, the ambulance, as they called it, from uh, Bantry Workhouse, was collecting the dead and the dying and it had stopped in Glengariff and he said I went skipping down the street with some other children and even though I was only a small little child I poked a sally rod in at what I thought was a dead body but the man was alive and he brushed me away and even though I was only a baby a small boy at the time it's to my immortal shame that I ever did such a terrible thing and I said you never told me and he said he said you never asked me so I'm doing the maths and I'm thinking if my dad was born in 1919 and this man lived to be 90 and he was telling my dad this in 1925 jeez there's, 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 so there's several years your dad was six and your man maybe is let's say he's 85 yeah listen, there's a span of about 15 it years he needed to be more than 85 yeah that would be 1840 he would have been born in so what do you ever, oh, that could have been yeah it. if he was born in 1840 by 1925 he would have be, been 80 yeah He'd have been 80. Yeah. So if he was 84, 85 yeah. and told my dad this, yeah. he still had another six years to go. He was probably telling the story up to 1930. Yeah. So the point is... Living memory of the family. So the man sitting beside me in the car, and I was all prompted by my bringing my dad out to see John Behan's family memorial in Westport. Mm. And it got him thinking. And um, it brought back that memory. So I used that story, and it's a true story, partly to tee up the whole book, which is the moral of the story is to ask. It's not even about writing down folklore. It's called Bail Idis. It's mouth instruction. Mm. And Idis is a term that's still used in the Gaeltacht for a prescription. Mm. So Bail Idis is the Irish word for folklore. In effect, it means is mouth instruction. You're learning at the knee. So when your grandma 
or your grandpa or your dad or me is repeating myself and telling the same old stories over and over and over again mm. our duty mm. is not to write them down that's 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 literature mm. our duty is to listen mm. and you can change the story you mm. can forget whether it was McCroom or Rylan it happened mm. you can put your own name into the story it doesn't matter mm. within the story there's a kernel of a truth or, mm. or a moral tale mm. or something like that an, so an, an Aesop's fable of sorts you mentioned about you know the, we didn't develop an opera and we didn't develop this what we were good at talking was but and I agree with you but I think through the ages because you know the filler was so important in, in Irish society and you know to have a satire written about you or against you you mm. know was so, and they had a, a high place in the in in the system in the court uh, did 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 the, did the poet yeah. uh, we're I, talking I, Mario Rosenstock now here yeah. there you go <laughs> you see it's never gone away yeah, it's never gone away it's never yeah. gone away yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and that and is yeah, that is how you, you how the mighty can fall yeah um, absolutely yeah. But, but that storytelling that aspect and that um, that that use of words uh, is, is is central to us I, 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 let me give you another little story that my father told me and again there is um, there, there, there's something of value in it right he told me about this elderly woman called Mag Lorden who as he said was like a bag lady he said she had a home once but it was burnt down but she was usually found wandering around in Chigila with her bags mm. and he said but Mag he said used to sit on the bridge in Chigila this is on the road west now towards Gugan mm. and that would have been part of the, the grand tour for a lot of Victorians mm. they would have come into Cork and, and they would have gone out to uh, Gugan Glengariff Kinmare mm. you know the, on that route and uh, he Down said the lakes. yeah and the Shara Banks uh, bringing you know tourists used to go past over that bridge and he said Mag used to sit down on the bridge there and throw l- looking for coppers off the Shara Banks mm. going past and one day she said my father told me Lord Hallisey who there were the people who had Whitty Island and a lot of that mm. out there big landowners was trotting past on his horse and he was wearing a, you know a coat and a top hat and everything else and she started praising him as he approached hoping he'd throw her a few coppers Oh, Lord Hallisey, that I was only saying last week. What a fine... I probably sound just like her now with the croaky voice and everything else. Um, what a fine figure you cut with your beautiful steed and your lovely frock coat. And she'd the hand out. You, the might, you might throw me down a few coppers. And he brushed past with the riding crop and said, out of my way, Mag. Yeah. And she said, as he trotted away, she after him, she, she shouted after him, that I was only saying that last week. But you look what you know, with your, with your jaw hanging to you like a genius. Now my father said, apart from her being smart, he says, think about that, he said. That woman praised him in the past tense, which afforded her the opportunity (laughs) to slag him off in the present or the future. And he said, that's coming from a people, he said, who were uneducated. My father said to me, he said, in a time when you were not allowed to carry a sword and the sharpest weapon you could carry was your Mm. tongue, you kept it well sharpened. And the Irish boy, I tell you, were well able to dole it out uh, I know that I'm limited time with you and we're almost up with it That Place We Call Home was the first book the new one is The Treasury of Irish Folklore um, it's the compilation well it's your look through some of what's contained in that treasure trove yeah. that was gathered in the 30s in the, in the nascent new Irish state I mean you know Lady Gregory went out in the 1880s uh, yeah. to, to, to find the heroic stories of, of Cúhollán and the like that, that in many respects had been forgotten and we'll, we'll credit the Anglo-Irish for recognising that something was going to be lost and there, they, there were, there 
they weren't all bad and uh, there were a few fabulous accounts inside in the Irish folklore treasury of um, good landlords there was one account there from Derry of well, Parnell did yeah, quite an amount for us yeah, didn't he yeah absolutely but one man who literally cashed in all his chips to try and save the bacon off his poor tenants and we must remember as well that a, a huge part of Protestantism that really probably maybe it does permeate the, the Catholic Church as well but that whole notion of noblesse oblige mm. it's because we're educated it's because we're well off that we have a duty to educate or support now I know some people well, are very, the Quakers yeah, the Quakers were remarkable mm. their, the whole, Quakers. their whole ethic is to, yeah. is to is I'm to a help. church going nothing so, but if I ever go back to church I think it's uh, it's Quakering I'll take up because they were really and truly beautiful non-judgmental people you well know? what I wanted to ask you in the limited time that I have left with you is um, actually about Muskery and Inchigila and in the, that is the heart of the of the Gaeltacht uh, what are they um, is it the Ivy Leary is it the home yeah, homestead of yeah. Ivy Leary uh, yeah. so tell me a bit about Ivy Leary and Muskery and what you know like does, does what is Muskery is it like Kiri I mean Kiri is Muskery is the barony and Ivy Leary is actually the parish and it includes a number of small villages now I grew up in Cork City Centre mm, right mm, smack bang mm, in the middle but of the, it but the roots yeah and in fact that, that's a wonderful thing I did a course I did a two year diploma up in UCC and I remember Garoldo Crowley Professor Garoldo Crowley asked us to do a paper on and here was the subject is there a folk in the city 5,000 words I went what is there a folk in the city? What does that mean? The point being that people often assume that folklore is about uh, chickens and farmyards and stuff. No, 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 no. Following Cork City FC is part of the folklore. Mm. That's a subculture. Mm. Why? What's that about? The Arcadia. This, this, yeah. <laughs> the downtown campus. But, but, but even take Cork City, right? I mean, that you know, sometimes it's it's dismissed as the garrison game. Yeah, it is the garrison game. Unashamedly, the garrison game. There were people who came in here. Um, I expect the blood of Vikings and Normans and possibly English, one of my bloods, my mother, all of ours, all of our bloods. So the point is that uh, they're all part of the story, and mm. that's one of the reasons why I really feel. But back to the place names for a moment, mm. that going forward, it's now our turn to name places, and I think we made a bags of it. Well, we didn't. We mm. told our story mm. in the Celtic Tiger years. Mm. We were full of ourselves. Bel Air Heights and forget it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't, don't. You might insult someone. Yeah, it's true. But but now here's our opportunity for us to to name as we go on. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be lovely, for example, or what would be wrong with a bungalow called Unfollowing, Little Poland? Or the next time we open a public space, maybe a little park, that we would name it, uh, we would commemorate, say, all the Filipino nurses and doctors, some of whom died during the pandemic of 2020, 2022 or whatever, and call it Manila Park. And people in the future would say, Manila Park is nothing. Mm. The Philippines, mm. yeah, but back in the 1990s and into the 2000s, a lot of Filipinos came to Ireland, and you know what I mean. And to tie that, Sh- Shalom Park, Shalom Park recognizes yeah. the the Lithuanian Jew Jews Tom, that, that called, stopped yeah. off in, in Cork for a period of time. Yeah. Um, what did your mention there throw up for me? Uh, oh, oh Ivalera, we Ivalera, and and and, and Muskry. Uh, but I see a, a Cork Freemount hurling story popping oh, up you? out of your. So what? And, and there's an, is there a volunteer one then behind? No, it? no, that that was actually a note to self. I'm sorry, I was holding that up, but I wasn't pointing it. No, no, but it, I, obviously they're, no. co- they're little cork elements of, oh, of what's no. in this book. So yeah, why don't yeah. we finish on one or two of those little bits? Sure. There's a, there's a couple of beauties in there. One very tragic one, really. I just it broke my heart, to be honest. It is, um, it's from Bantir. And uh, Master Sheehan was the headmaster in the school. And uh, a local man was sent running. This is an account now from an elderly man to a child in 1937. And he said when he was a small boy, uh, Master Sheehan let them out, let them off class to go out onto the height and to watch the redcoats below um, uh, evicting people. So these children were, it was almost a treat 
to watch the, the, the colour and excitement of the red coats throwing people out of their houses. So I often think trauma, it comes from the Greek word, uh, a wound. If you wonder what's wrong with us, what's wrong with the Irish? Why, why, why do we so, why are we so cross about that? Why are we so attached? Uh, well, one of the things that struck me was like we were a traumatised people. So those mm. children, even to witness someone else being traumatised mm. is to be traumatised yourself. Mm. But that description, a very matter of fact description of the red coats throwing people out of their homes and the children being let out of class to see it happening. Um, there was another amazing one in there um, which I thought was absolutely kind of staggering in terms of um, our story. Like, for example, if, if you went as far as putting a window in your cottage for hundreds of years in this country, you were taxed on it. Mm. So if you want to understand, people whinge about the poor farmer and the poor mouth and all that. You need to understand it. When you see some of these stories, you see that these people were battered mm. for centuries. If they showed any sign of improvement, mm. they were battered again. Mm. So keep your cards close to your chest, say nothing, build the extension, hopefully you'll get planning for it later. Mm. You know, all this kind don't, of stuff. Don't talk in straight lines, talk yeah, in circles. It comes from years of trying to survive. Mm. And there's another lovely story in there from Fremont and I just thought it was amazing. It was about um, a hurling match as described by an elderly gentleman to a little boy. So again, just remind me exactly, it's 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 young kids that are being sent yeah, in to In 1937, their, yeah. and, but the account is brilliant. He was talking to Dennis and Dennis told me that this is long before, remember the GEA was the 1880s mm. when, when, when we had a kaidan and, 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 and it was standardised. So up to then it was house rules, not unlike football in England. Mm. You had a row where you had the association went one direction mm. and, the, and, the, and rugby school and others went the rugby mm. direction. Mm. Here, you had different forms of hurling in different parts of the country. A lot of the northern counties walked out from the GEA meetings up in Hayes' Hotel in Thurles and said, no, you're adopting monster rules. We want to a fair crack of the whip. So that's why to this day, within 100 miles of Hayes' Hotel, Kilkenny, Tipperary, Wexford, Waterford, East Cork, Limerick, Clare, that's where hurling is still strong. So Because it was the monster rules that won out won the day. Exactly. That was so, the first battle, the first hurling battle. So this, this account yeah. is pre-GAA. Yeah. It's a hurling match up in Fremont and the lads who went up after Mass to play them, they'd normally play about 50 a side, no goalposts, no referee, no sidelines. The slitter was very similar to what it is now anyway. That's the only thing that didn't change. And, and a match would last up to six hours and usually would end with a good beating by both teams. A physical fist fighting beating. <laughs> and I thought, at least one thing hasn't changed, right? But <laughs> but what do you know what the goal was? Like, how did you oh, win? Oh, yeah, over the other person's fence. And most scores, I think it said, most matches would finish with about 20 goals each. But it took a lot of effort, six hours to get 20 goals. There was a fair bit of flake in a route. And, and I'd say could... they didn't wait to six hours to have the fight either. I'd <laughs> no. say there was plenty of it going along along the way. Brilliant, hardy boys. Jeez. But uh, do you know something? Um, but what's amazing is when you get it, admittedly it's second hand. It's mm. the children are getting this. Mm. And in some cases, a lot of the stories are very funny. There's everything in there. There's wit, there's wisdom, there's mm. there's old recipes. And... Yeah, and you can see the connection with the animals. Is there much romance in there? Ro- well, one of the things I discovered um, is that there were very very tight on getting married in Lent during Lent that it just didn't happen but there was a loophole as explained in the book Skellig Sunday when that's right the, yeah you've I've, heard I've, of it yeah, yeah I did a chat with um, what's in, in a previous podcast about Skellig Night yeah, yeah and there's an awful lot of stuff in here that was lost to us and now when you read it you go that makes perfect sense. That's exactly what alternative medicine says now. Yeah. So, like, uh, I was talking there about cures and I was saying something like that. 
we now have complementary medicine and and Western medicine or whatever it's called, traditional medicine, working side by side. You go to the acupuncturist, you go to your GP, you go to your, you know, massage therapist, you go to your surgeon. There's a mix and match in people. But back then it was it was ever thus. It was always a rub of the relic, a flat seven up, the doctor, um, the band FASA, people like... Um, uh, Billy Early she was one of many uh, women who were thought to have it and the interesting thing about the cure having the gift of the cure like some of these things seem very far-fetched and then like I did I went off down to uh, I'm sorry I'm fast forward here now but I went off down to um, Ballon Spittle because the Irish is Bailohan Spidale, the mouth of the river of the hospital. Now, hospital in a very general sense, basically, was an isolation area where people who were infected would be put with them in Cork as well. Yeah. Lover's Walk, believe it or not, yeah. is Lower, L-O-B-H-A-R. That's right, meaning Lepers, Lepers Walk. walk. Mm. So if you were infected, you were sent off down towards um, the Dunkettle Roundabout and you were kept out of the city because there was no penicillin back mm. then. So similarly, Bailohan Spidale was full of holy wells and there was a holding area there for people who were infectious. So that's how I got the name Bailohan Spidale. But the f- it's full of holy wells. I went down with Luke O'Neill, Professor Luke O'Neill mm. and Ardell O'Hanlon, don't ask me why, mm. an unlikely trio, mm. to examine was there any science mm. to back the um, the, the sacred mm. uh, understanding of the wells. And Luke O'Neill came up with trumps. He said, yeah, there is. He says, that one is very high in copper. That is very high, good. We've tested it. Yeah. That's very good for our rheumatism, for this, that and the other. Another one was a Chalabit well, which meant it was very high in iron. Mm. So... He's, and I said, but how do people know? He said, John, observation. Mm. You don't need a white coat mm. to realise that when Dad washes himself below on the lower field, mm. his skin improves hugely, whatever was wrong with him. Mm. Or have you noticed how the cattle above at that well... Observation. Yeah, the cattle above at that well seem to thrive. Yeah. But the crowd below on Murphy's well, Jesus, the cattle are starving, you, you know? know? Sometimes there's the uh, there's a simplicity in life. If you actually just spend some time looking at stuff, you can figure out a lot. Time, what Like, uh, you know, people <laughs> say they're, they're very bad, they're, they're not great with plants, and I'm like, you just have to look at them. Yeah. You just have to look at them and, and think about it for a little bit, and it'll yeah. tell you it's what's the, wrong. It's, it's the same observation. with the People don't realise we're actually living the folklore anyway yeah I just wanted to reference it because it was Kieran Connolly I had a chat with him he wrote he wrote the book Sam Maguire the man and the cup Mm. Um, so I had a ch- actually I had a chat with him about the holy trinity of, of Cork GAA which was um, so Archbishop Croke was a born Cork man yeah. uh, uh, for whom Croke Park is named uh, Sam Maguire obviously born in Dunmanway and uh, uh, um uh, Liam McCarthy was was his parents emigrated from the famine from Ballygarvan to London. He swore in Michael Collins into the IRB and uh, uh, and possibly some other notable yeah. figures as well. But um, so it was Liam McCarthy, uh, Sam Maguire, and and Archbishop Croke, the Holy Trinity GA. And, and I had a chat with Kieran about that, and he came back for another chat, and that chat was the story behind Skellig Night, which was Shrove Tuesday, Brilliant. and Bonner Night St John's. Eve. So three, if three, anyone has listened to this, you yeah. can dig back into the a past podcast to to hear more about that. But funny, those three big names you mentioned from the GA—that's just our full backline. You then start moving up the feed, and you bring on your Jimmy Barry Murphy's and your uh, Christy Rings, and <laughs> then we've produced a few beauties all right along yeah. the way. And I mean that's wonderful I mean like it's even I often think like with hurling and as a, as you know I'm a huge League of Ireland man I've great growth with the hurling as well it's just such a sweet sweet beautiful subtle game mm, flicking mm, my wrist you mm, know yourself mm. and I often think sometimes maybe that organisation's getting in the way of the beauty it's a bit like sometimes um, maybe the Vatican gets in the way of what Jesus was saying which was hey mm. you're grand the way you are I love mm. you the way you are mm. just be kind to people do mm. the best you can mm. you mess up no problem mm. still love you mm. that that was the message the mm. core message and all of a sudden someone tries to brand it and copyright it and say it's ours and it's 
mm-hmm. or with, and maybe to a certain degree sometimes with the FAI or the RFU or the GEA sometimes it's the lads with the blazers and the laminates who actually give the thing a bad name mm-hmm. but when you look at the poetry of the of the pure game you know a wet pitch a wet slitter you know a dead slitter and whizzing through the sky you know the, the ash plant with a good whip in it and uh, a forest of hurleys going up and one hand rises above them all <laughs> and makes a clean snatch and drops whether it be a boy or a girl you know and uh, you know shortens the hurley and flick over their shoulders and sails between the bo- like there's a poetry there's a beauty to that that's going on all over the county like uh, as we speak that's part of the folklore and it, and you bring it uh, back to um, Cuh- well not to him but like it's back there in our in our ancient folklore and myth stories of yeah. Cuhullen and uh, you know hurling goes yeah. that far back into our into absolutely our, into and, our and, 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 you know, and here so it is with us today I guess is the point you're, you're yeah, making yeah. Is that I, mean, I mean even as you drive the past around, is not the past <laughs> even as you drive around Cork today there are labels everywhere saying hello like you know as I was saying Umvar Avenue it's actually or Pic du Jour Park I mean these are amazing places you look at a toker. Toker is an interesting one. Um, Toll road. Well, no, no. My understanding would be a toker. T O for the C H A R. It would be a raised road. So yeah. it could be like across a very boggy area where you have a raised road, or it could even be a defensive ditch. Okay. And around the country, uh, that was anglicised as it was here yeah. from T O for the C H A R, the origin, yeah. to T O G H E R. Yes. So around well, we the have country, one in Louth, and it's Toher. I knew it. I guessed it. it. They have them in Kildare. There's Toher oil. Yeah. But in Cork, even though we spell it in the English, yes. people who don't have one word of Irish. I always wondered why I was Toher. People who don't have one word of Irish, yeah, are still they spell it. it in the English, but they pronounce it in the Irish. Yeah. They call it Toher, yeah. because that's what it is. And that was like a ring road, before the ring road, yeah. that was a defensive ditch, uh, as I understood it, gotcha. that, that ran out around there through Lehenamore gotcha. and all that. But, uh, you know, ask yourself, why well, is it? Well, even a more obvious one. Kirky Morn Moon yeah, the Great Marsh of Munster. Yeah. And, and all of a sudden you realise, oh, wow, this city was built on... Actually, nowadays you wouldn't get planning for it. It would no. be a natural. It would be a wildlife uh, her, uh, habitat. As the poet Theo Dorgan <laughs> said to me once, he said, "As much as I love it, it was a dumb place to build a city." <laughs> John Green, let's finish on that. Thank you, Thank Dave. You very much. Gent. The place we call home was the first book, and the new one is a treasury of Irish folklore, selling out across the land as we speak. Thanks for the chats and being part of this Cork History Matters podcast. For more Red FM podcasts, go to redfm.ie forward slash podcasts.